Again, good to be with you with, uh, this morning. And um, like I said, I, my name is Lauren Hennis. I'm leader of Youth Discipleship in Oakdale. Uh, and I also get to fill in when uh, Pastor Chuck Dillander is away. And uh, he was away three out of the four Sundays in June. So I had a, uh, plenty of opportunity. And, and so one of those messages that I shared last month, I get to share with you today. Uh, and we have been in a, a sermon series in First Peter uh, and Chuck is actually finishing 1 Peter today. Today is the last day of that series. Uh, but one of the common themes through 1 Peter is, is talking about suffering and difficulty uh, and how that's just, an, an, it's just part of being a follower of Christ and part of being a Christian. Uh, Christ suffered, so as followers of Christ, it, is, it, it should be second nature to expect that we will suffer as well. Um, but I want to, just before I read and pray, I just want to talk about the very first word in this passage is beloved. Beloved. So even though we're talking about this difficult thing of suffering and trial and pain, uh, and it can be an uncomfortable thing to talk about, we don't want to dwell on it. But this is coming from a place of love, a place of encouragement. Uh, Peter is reminding the, the, the early church that in spite of the incredible suffering that they were enduring, that they are loved. And this is meant as coming from, uh, again, a place of encouragement and exhorting uh, and not a, a finger-wagging kind of thing. And so I would pray that we would hear it from, from that perspective. And so uh, I'll be reading 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. It's found on page 1206 page 1206 if you're using your pew bibles i think i looked that up correctly uh, but also we also have the words on the screen here as well so first peter 4 12 through 19 beloved do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice insofar as you share christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of God and of God, spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or as an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for these words of encouragement as we deal with difficult circumstances on a daily basis. We thank you that it is a temporary thing uh, and that your love and your grace and your mercy is eternal. May your spirit speak clearly through these words this morning uh, and that our minds would comprehend them well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So my, my introductory question uh, for you, again, as we talk about trial and difficulty, is I just want you to think of something recently that was difficult, something that maybe you would call this was, this was a, a test or a trial for me, uh, or this was something I had to suffer through. 
maybe it was maybe it happened as, as recently as this morning. Maybe it happened something this past week. Uh, and I would I would venture to say that every single person in this building is able to think of something. Everybody is able to think of something that has been difficult or trying or painful, because it's an in- inevitable part of life in a, bro- in a world that is broken by sin. Um, but I want us to go beyond that, right? Not just like, yeah, yeah, life is hard, suck it up. That's not, that's not what we're here for. But to look deeper into the deeper meaning, uh, maybe consider the question, how did you handle that difficulty? Did you handle it well? Did you handle it not so well? Did you learn something from it? Did it change you somehow? Um, so when, when, I, when I first did this message last month, the, the, the previous Sunday before that, it was 1 o'clock in the morning, and of course the windows are open trying to cool off the house in the evening, and there was this horrible noise of a goat. And so in, there's an empty field behind our house where there's some sheep and there's some goats, uh, and there's a three-foot retaining wall uh, that separates our yard from the fence. So our fence blew down in a storm over the winter, and it, it had been a long time. It hadn't been repaired yet. And so the goats would like to hop up, and they'd like to try to get into the yard and eat everything they could. Uh, and so I had this temper. I had some cattle panels that I used for trellises and stuff like that for plants. And so I kind of built this temporary barrier, and I zip-tied them together. And there, one, there was one that wasn't uh, securely attached because that was the one that I would remove in case I had to get out to the other side and, and fix some things. And sure enough, this goat, and he had, he had done it before. He had kind of stuck his head through some of the holes in the cattle panel. And then, of course, his horns are stuck. And then he kind of figured it out a couple times and was able to get back out. But this time, because that had broken away, had broken sideways, um, and so his feet had slipped off the, the cat, the, from the, the retaining wall, and he was, he was done for. He was basically dangling there. And again, this, this most horrible sound, right? If you've seen uh, Thor uh, Love and Thunder movie, right? There's these goats in that movie that just have this horrible scream noise, right? Well, just imagine that. That was this noise that was happening. So uh, I'm just, I'm just a wreck. I'm just scrambling around. And fortunately, I had a, uh, a bolt cutter nearby because of this situation. Uh, and I had a headlamp that just happened to be something I was using earlier that day. was right there. Uh, long story short, I was able to cut him free. He got, he got loose. Uh, the goat survived to pester me another day. Um, but it, it shook me. I mean, I was a mess, right? I'm a, I'm a pretty sensitive guy. And so when an animal is in distress, it is, it is alarming for me. Some guys are tougher than me. I'm not that tough. Uh, And again, this was one o'clock in the morning, right? And we we were going to be doing an installation service that morning. Uh, We were installing new elders and deacons. uh, And I was just like, I'm wide awake. Um, And and just knowing that this was not something I had to suffer through alone, right? I have a loving, godly wife that said, let me pray with you and let me help you relax. Let me help you calm down, right? And that helped. And we have an app that we use in Oakdale called Services, and our worship leader, Colleen Verkite, she uploads the, the songs onto that, and so people can access those and, and listen to those uh, people that are singing that week. And, uh, and so I was able to play those songs and just lay in bed and listen to that. And if nothing else, it was just learning the fact that I am completely and utterly dependent 
on God and knowing just how easily things can go sideways, that I am not in control of my circumstances. I cannot avoid pain and avoid difficulty, but knowing that I can have peace because I have a loving God, because I'm part of something bigger than myself. Right? And so that's why we come together every week as a body of Christ to know that the struggles that we go through is not something that we face on our own. It's something that we face as a whole, and we, keep, we lift each other up in prayer, and that's something that is encouraging for us. And the world recognizes that pain is inevitable, right? Um, for, for younger people, we know uh, we're, we love memes, and if you look online, right, there's plenty of memes about how to handle uh, challenges in life. And so I have one here. It's like, you can't spell challenge without change. If you're going to rise to the challenge, you have to be prepared to change. And there's some truth that, right? It's clever. It uses the same words. Uh, and, the wor- and, and we love to hear those things. Oh, that's a really catchy phrase, right? Um, but from the world, no, there's no mention of spirituality or God in this. It's just this idea of, yes, Life is difficult, and there are challenges in life, and we have to be able to uh, change that. But for us, as followers of Christ, we recognize that our change does not come from our will. It's like, yes, I'm going to rise to the challenge. I am good enough, right? All those other types of memes that are out there that are telling you that, yes, you can do this. You can change not on our own strength. We know the truth. We know the truth that we are helpless and hopeless without God. And God is the one that, that steers us through those challenges. And so we're going to look more at just, we're going to look at five different things, right? We've already talked about pretty much the idea that suffering is certain. There's no way around it. Uh, no one really needs to be convinced of that. We're not going to really spend time there. But there is also purpose. There's purpose for suffering. And, of course, Peter also addressed what our attitude should be towards that suffering, and then he, we'll talk about some of the causes. We can't talk about them all. Uh, but ultimately, what is our response to that suffering? And Peter uses the phrase fiery trial. Fiery trial is, is what he uses here. And we could look at that quite literally. Um, the early church, there were Christians in the early church that were being burned. Uh, Nero, the emperor at that time, he, he actually would use Christians as torches for his garden parties. It's this horrible, horrible image, right? And so that, there's a, some literal sense to that. But for most people, this is more of a figurative thing, right? That, that this fire trial is kind of this figuring, figurative thing. And like I said, this is this common theme throughout First Peter. And if we just go back to the very beginning of Peter, First uh, Peter 1, 6 through 7, and it says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So again, same kind of imagery, right? This idea that, that we are, this is it's like a purification process. You may have, uh, many of you have probably already heard this analogy. I know I've heard it a couple times from a couple different pastors, the idea of how a goldsmith will take gold uh, and put it into the fire and melt it down. And so the heaviness of gold obviously moves down and any impurities then rise to that top. And so the, the goldsmith can scoop off the, what they call the dross away. Uh, and eventually this, this repeated process over and over and over again until 
the, the impurities are removed and the goldsmith can see his own reflection in it, right? The, we, we are created in the image of God, but there's all kinds of sin and messiness that gets in the way. And so that's kind of that beautiful, I love that imagery of that. Uh, and Peter's not the only one to reference this. Malachi 3.3 does this as well. Uh, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. It is not righteousness in their own strength, right? It is the trial, the tribulation that they go through that, right? And James speaks of that. James speaks of that. Uh, don't be surprised with all kinds of trials and tribulations because this is what causes endurance, this is what shapes us. This is what molds us. There is purpose to what is happening. And some of the things that we experience, right, maybe when you were thinking of something difficult, maybe a person came to mind, right? Maybe there's a person in your life that just likes to push your buttons. And they do things that, that they get, some, I, don't, I don't understand that. Some people just like the idea. They like to stir the pot, right? They call them the spoon. That person is the spoon that just likes to cause problems for people. But even those things, even those things that are meant for evil, that's not a surprise to God, and it does not take God by surprise. One of the, one of the more comforting passages uh, is in Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, uh, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. God is able to make good things come out of even those things that were intended for negative consequences. So we have this knowledge when we, when we dig a little deeper and we realize, yes, there is purpose. Yes, we know it's inevitable, but there's some, there can be purpose behind it. And if we have that, then that's going to affect our attitude. And so in the next verse, 1 Peter 4, 13, he says, but rejoice, which again seems a little counterintuitive. It's like, oh, you're suffering? Rejoice. It's like, um, excuse me, right? No, that's, not, that's usually not what we say to someone, right, if they're going through a difficult time. Uh, probably not the best thing to say to them, but what Peter's saying is rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. We see this over and over again, and, and already it's a few times in the passages we've been looking at, that there is this suffering now, and then there is glory to be revealed later. The word trial, what does the word trial mean? I mean, the first thing I think of when I hear the word trial, I think of a court and, you know, going through a trial, and uh, that's stressful, maybe it's like where my mind goes, but trial, when you, tr you do something on a trial basis, right? This is how companies kind of hook you, right? They want you to, oh, just do this on a trial basis and, and see how you like it. A tr something that's a trial is not forever. It is a short-term thing. And it's something that we endure in the short-term, knowing that there is glory to re be revealed uh, be when Christ's glory is revealed. And we get to share in that. We share in Christ's sufferings now, temporarily, we share in Christ's glory for eternity. And if we knowing that truth, that is what can allow us to have an attitude of joy, not the super happy, oh, I'm just so happy about this horrible situation, but some, a deeper joy, a joy that maybe the world does not understand. And when the world sees that, perhaps that's an opportunity to share. Yes, this is why I have joy in spite of that. So one example of 
of rejoicing in Christ's suffering is, is if you go to Acts. Uh, so Acts 5, 40 to 41 uh, tells of, of when some of the early apostles, they said, and when they had called the apostles, they beat them. They had been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they, let the, they left the presence, and they counted rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Suffering for the name of Christ. And that's what 1 Peter 4.14 then talks about, right? The very next verse. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit of glory and, the God, and of God rests upon you. It's very clear that they were not suffering because they did something wrong. They were suffering for doing the right thing, which seems like that's not fair. That's unjust. And they're like, no, we, we expect that. When you, when you live contrary to the world, you're going to get pushback from the world. And that is the kind of suffering that Peter says. This is the suffering that we are rejoicing in. And this is why we can have joy in that. And again, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you, it's not something that has to be done in your strength. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of God lives within you. How incredible and amazing is that? To know that any kind of thing that comes your way, it's not something that, how am I going to deal with this? It's no, how is God going to equip me to handle, to get through this, right? Or, or learn from this or grow from this. This is, this is where our attitude comes from. Um, but we also, uh, again, the, the reason that they, they did this, in fact, in the, earlier in, in chapter four, he actually spends time, Peter talks about um, how people will, uh, people that are, behaving in behaviors, involving in behaviors that they shouldn't be doing, debauchery and drunkenness and orgies and the like. And they're going to they're gonna wonder, why don't you participate in these things? But then they're also going to ridicule you because you don't do it, right? That's going to make them look bad. It's like, what are you, why aren't you doing these things, right? This, this is that similar kind of suffering when we don't participate in the things that everyone else says, oh, yeah, you should do this. This is so cool. It's like, well, no, that's, that's not how my God wants me to live, right? And, and sometimes we are ridiculed for that. Um, but that's, right, that's, that's one situation, right? But what about when we bring about things on our own account? And we often ask the question, oh, well, why me? You know, why is this happening to me? Uh, and of course, where's the focus? The focus is on me. What about me? Why is this happening to me? We're not thinking about anybody else. We're not thinking about God's involvement in our life. But it's a legitimate question to ask why. Um, my, my, my regular job is a teacher. I'm a, I'm a high school math teacher at Oakdale High School. Uh, I've been doing that for a little over 20 years. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of great experiences. It's a very rewarding and, and trying job at times. But um, this, that's a question that you hear all the time. Well, why do we have to learn this stuff? Right? Or uh, when are we ever going to need to know how to use fractions, right? It's like, well, because there's a lot more fractions than there are whole numbers. Trust me on this, right? But this idea of, of asking the question why can be a legitimate question, but often, right, in my experience in a classroom, it's usually asked uh, because they're looking for a reason why it's not important and therefore they don't have to do it. But when we are legitimately asking the why behind things, there are, there are some, some positive things that can come out of that. Um, and sometimes it's because of our own doing. Yes, some of those apostles suffered for doing what God called them to do. Uh, but Peter talks about in verse 15, 1 Peter 4, 15, 
He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Sometimes suffering is caused by our own actions. There's consequences for some of the actions that we do. Um, and as we read through the law, sometimes we go through, it's like, well, murder, yeah, I'm, I'm good there. It's like, I'm a pretty good person. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't murdered anybody. Uh, but the very first thing on the list, even though we can easily dismiss that, if we look at the words of Jesus Christ in Matthew 5, Matthew 5, Jesus, this, is, this is quoting Jesus. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Again, fire being used as this imagery. Not the temporary trial fire, not the fiery trial. This is talking about a fiery destination. There's two things. We suffer trials now, or we suffer fiery judgment later. We want option one. We want curtain number one. Um, this is, this again, this idea of not, uh, not this idea of thinking that, oh, well, um, I'm just suffering because I'm a Christian and all these other things. Sometimes we bring it out on our, on our own. Uh, and, of course, the other things that he talked about, he talked about uh, being a thief or an evildoer, uh, but then it talks about a meddler. Well, what's a meddler? Uh, we think that maybe that's not. So how does that in the same list of, of murderer and evildoer and thief, right? So we have a definition of, of meddler here. Um, it's kind of being a busybody, right? And, and kind of sticking your nose in other people's business, um, which seems like, okay, well, that's not such a big deal. How, how are we including that in a list that also has murder and thief and stuff like that? Uh, but the reality is th these are probably the most prevalent things that we recognize in the lives of most people. We're really good at this. We're really good at pointing out how other people's, what other people's faults are. Um, uh, we're, we're good at meddling. We're good at being busy bodies. Uh, if you were to take me to a crowded location and blindfold me, spin me around like you would spin the tail on the donkey and then take the blindfold off and say, okay, Whoever you're pointing at, find something wrong with that person. And unfortunately, because I've had practice, um, I would probably, it wouldn't take me long to start finding something wrong with that person. Well, they, they're driving the wrong car, they look different, or uh, they're, they're, they're doing that all wrong, right? We're really good at being critical of what other people do. Uh, and the reality is, people outside the church, this, this is... In, in my opinion, it appears to be, right? I can't speak for other people, but just in my experience, it appears to be that people outside the church will look at people inside the church and that's what they point to. It's like, well, people in church, they're just, they're just a bunch of busybodies that are kind of telling me that, oh, this is what's wrong with the world and this is what's wrong with you and, and you're, cast, you're gonna be judge, judged and, and you need to be more like us. I'm not saying this is true, but I'm saying this is the perspective that many people in the world have, and they see that. Uh, and so sometimes we can get caught in the idea of saying, okay, well, um, some of my non-Christian you know, co-workers or non-Christian friends, um, they're persecuting me because I'm a Christian. Well, it might just be because they think you're a jerk, right? To put it bluntly, right? I know that there's been plenty of times where been people have been upset with me because uh, we talk about having great potential. 
I have, the, I have incredible potential to be a jerk. I also have the potential to do wonderful things by the equipping of the Holy Spirit. But we, want to, we don't want to be in a situation where we are suffering difficulties because of our uh, consequences of bad actions, but of good actions. We want to be identified as Christians. In, in verse 16, 1 Peter 4, 16, he says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in that name. So remember, at that time, Christian was a derogatory term, right? Christians, that was the term that was brought up because, oh, you're a little Christ. Ooh, hey, little Christ, are you trying to be like Jesus, right? What's, what's your problem? Do, why are you trying to live so different than everybody else? Um, but this is, this is what we want to be identified as, right? Kids, maybe, maybe uh, some people call you a goody-goody or a teacher's pad or, oh, do you always do what your mom and dad tells you? And it's like, well, I try, right? Those are good things. Those are good things when people point out that you're always trying to do the right thing. And it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's what I want to be identified by. I want to be identified as a follower of Christ, not as someone that's always trying to fix other people instead of myself. And if we look at verse 17, very next verse, it says, for it for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what, will, what about the, the others that do not obey, right? And so first of all, this idea of judgment for the household of God. So we talked earlier, right, when we referenced Matthew 5, this idea that whoever uh, is angry with his brother or hates his brother, you know, is, is liable to judgment. Well, we have to, re, we have to remind ourselves that we are not under judgment, in the way that the world thinks of judgment. That's, that's another thing that we sometimes we look at is, oh, I'm being punished for something because of this bad thing that's happening. We are not being punished. Jesus Christ has endured the suffering, the one who we identify in suffering. His whole life was a life of suffering. Of course, we remember the, the horrific death that he went to and the persecution that he went through, but his entire life was suffering, living a perfect life amongst sin. Everybody around him was messing up all the time. And he, that's, that is, in some senses is more impressive that he did all that whole time. A sinful life. How do you do that? Yeah, he went through that, that period of horrific torture uh, to bear our sin away and bear our guilt away and bear our shame away. But being able to suffer that day to day, day in and day out of holding the line of saying, no, I'm faithful to the will of the Father. That's the suffering that Christ endured. And so when we talk about judgment, we're, we're, it's really more about correction and discipline, right? We're not being punished, right? Because I've gone down that road, right? Something bad happens. It's like, what did I do to deserve this, right? Why is, you know, again, going back to that question, why is this happening to me? Um, yeah, and and that's, that's, again, something that, that people say. I hear people say it all the time. Well, this is karma, Right? God's punishing me for this. It's like, well, that's not. No, we remind ourselves of the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ has borne our guilt and shame. So, but again, it's a, we still are corrected. Uh, if we go to Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 7, it speaks about it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters. For what son or daughter is there whom his father, his or her father does not discipline? If we're not being disciplined, that's, that's a scary thing. And uh, again, in, in the classroom, again, being, have a lot of practice at being a busybody. 
Uh, I often will hear students have conversations about uh, with another student talking about something they got in trouble for, right? It's like, oh yeah, my parents took away my phone, or I'm grounded this weekend, or they took away the car, or whatever punishment. Um, and they're lamenting about this punishment that they're having to endure. And of course, it's, it's not meant to include me, right? This is an A-B conversation. They would prefer that I see myself out of it, right? But again, I, I'm a teacher and I like to poke the hornet's nest sometimes. So I, lo- I love to interject there and say, wow, your parents must really love you. And of course, you get this crazy side. I'm like, like, what are you talking about? Did you hear what I just said? You hear what they're doing to me? I said, your parents must really care about you and that they're trying to correct you and discipline you. What a, think about, we, we know what bad parenting looks like. Uh, we see, again, as busy bodies, right? Again, as a teacher, I see it all the time. When, when kids mess up and the parents that I get emails from or want to have a meeting and they want to want, you know, the kids failing, it's like, well, uh, wh- wh- why, wh- what are you doing? And, and what about this? And what about that? They, they want to make excuses for the, the student rather than saying, no, this, this kid needs to learn something from this. Again, a reason to rejoice, something to take joy in, something to celebrate, to know that, yeah, we are sons and daughters of God. That is why he disciplines us and allows there to be consequences for poor actions. And it's not fun. If you skip down to verse 11, verse, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 11 here, it says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Well, yeah, but later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Again, the before, the trial, the temporary, the future, the glory, the good, the eternal. Right? This, is, this is the picture that we see. And when we have that knowledge of what is true, and we know that we are created in the image of a loving God, and we know that he is going to shape us and discipline us, and it's not going to be easy. Anything you want to get good at is difficult, right? To be able to play the, the guitar like that, how much time do you think he, JP has spent practicing and working at it? And yes, he is gifted in that area, but the amount of time it takes to learn to play an instrument, the amount of time uh, and, and trial and error it takes to be a parent, especially new parents and all these new experiences, it is difficult. There are trials that happen, and we, we learn from it, and we get better from it. And so, yeah, there's op- that's, those are opportunities. And so, again, when it shifts that perspective, right? So instead of the worldly meme of, oh, yeah, you can do this, just you, you have to be willing to change and, and be the best version of yourself, right? The, the, the more spiritual meme, uh, if I have on the next slide here, is this. I don't know if you can see it that well, but it says, when you replace the why, why is this happening to me, with what is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to teach me? And I remember hearing this truth before, and I remember being, it, it really kind of just shifted my whole way of thinking, and I, I think I just, over time, had forgotten about it because, again, I get stuck in that, that idea of the why rather than the what. What can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? What is, uh, what is God going to teach me through this? Uh, again, when I look back, right, the older, the, the, the blessing of getting older is to be able to look back and be able to see all the things. It's like, holy cow, right? How did God take a screw-up like me and get me to this point, right? There's a lot of work to be done yet. 
right? Which is why the trials and the difficulties are not going to stop because we never reach that perfection, right? I got to throw a math analogy in there. If you're, uh, there's certain math functions where a, a graph will approach an asymptote, right? So an asymptote is this imaginary line that the graph gets closer, but it, it theoretically, it never reaches it, but it's always getting closer and closer and closer as time goes on, right? X-axis is time and Y is our perfection. We never, we never say, okay, we're done, right? Whether you're 10 or 50 or 120, right? God is continuing to work on us, and it's this gradual process. Where, and so we, we're not surprised by it. There's always more that we can learn. We never have all of those answers. And 1 Peter 4.18, it says, And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So again, the compare and contrast. There's only two groups. There's the sheep and the goats. Right? The stubborn goats that start to stick the heads in the, and get stuck in the fence, right? Or the wandering sheep that we often are described as. But this, again, notice it's in quotes, right? It's in quotes because it's coming from the Old Testament. It's coming from Proverbs. If we look at Proverbs 11.31, uh, it says, And if the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? Right? Our, again, temporary trial now. Right? Our correction, our discipline now. We look and say, well, wait, they're getting away with this. That's not right. That's not justice. That's not fair. Right? FFA kids, what's a fair? Fair is corn dogs and cotton candy and show animals. It is not life. Life is not fair. Uh, but we serve a just God. And yes, there is judgment and there is payment. Right? For those of us that accept Jesus Christ, we have we are free of that judgment, but we still are going to experience the discipline and the shaping now and experience it rather than being condemned later. So what is our response to all this? Right? He wraps it up in, in verse 19, 1 Peter 4, 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will, we serve a sovereign God. And even though we may not understand what's going on, or the whys, or the hows, and all those things. I don't have those answers. None of us have all those answers. But we trust God. According to God, we will entrust our souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So yes, we are trusting God, and we are doing good. There's two verbs, or two actions, or, or two things that we are, are called or instructed to do. Um, and when I was, I was doing my preparation for this, um, one of the things I came across is John Piper. I, I love his work. Um, he had a video where he actually took these, these, this passage, First uh, Peter 4, 12 through 19, uh, and he's circling the, what he would call those action verbs or, or what we, the instructions, what's the expectations. And yeah, um, trusting and, and doing good was on there. But there, was, there were six of them. So uh, on the last slide here, I've got six actions um, and, we're, and again, they're not quite in the chronological order that they showed up in the verses, but we saw this in verse 12. Don't be surprised. Why? Because we have knowledge, right? This is talking about what we know to be true, our doctrine, our theology, right? Why is that important? That's the foundation, right? The, the world is constantly throwing, again, really pithy, catchy phrases out there. It's like, oh, that kind of sounds interesting, right? But knowing truth Right, kids, this is, why, this is why you go to Sunday school class. This is, this is why you, you read the Bible, uh, hopefully on your own and with your parents, and, and start to learn more about what is the truth, what is the truth of, of Scripture, and, and what am I learning from that, 
right? Because when we have knowledge, we're not surprised by things. When you study, again, kids, when you study for a test, you take the test, you're not surprised by anything. If you're not studying, then something's going to show up. It's like, whoa, I didn't know that was going to be on there. Well, you didn't have the knowledge, right? Proverbs, seek knowledge, seek wisdom above all else. When we have that, that is what leads us to be able to trust God, right? So in verse 19, that last verse, it talks about putting our trust in a faithful creator. Our faith, our faith is built on the knowledge that we have through Scripture. And of course, if we have knowledge and we then can trust God and have faith in God, that also gives us hope, right? To not be ashamed. In verse 16, it says, don't be ashamed to identify and to suffer for the name of of Christ. If we have, if again, knowledge and faith allows us to have hope. And if those three, if we have those three things in verse 13, then it makes, then verse 13 makes more sense that yes, we can rejoice. We know that yes, there's purpose for the suffering. We know that God can do, uh, work all things for our good. And we know that uh, our, our wholeness is not going to happen in this lifetime. Right, right. We, we sang about that in the songs, right? The fading of, of the flowers and the grass, right? That's, that's our life. But we have, we, again, having a more eternal perspective, right? And that allows us to have joy. And if, when we have that kind of joy and we're able to rejoice in who God is and who we are in and through Jesus Christ, that then will equip us to do good, good for others, good, uh, loving God, loving others, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving your neighbor as yourself, right? Think about, again, as, as in, in, think about your busybodiness, right? When you look at other people, those people that are ornery and cranky uh, and mean to other people, and you're like, Miss, what's that person's problem? They're not, they're not filled with joy. They're not joy-filled. Uh, and maybe sometimes that's us, right? I, I know I'm guilty of being in situations where I'm just annoyed and cranky because uh, my team lost or whatever else, just stupid, superficial things that I get upset about. And what happens is that influences other people. But again, if I am grounded in the truth and I am grounded in my faith and I know where my hope is, then that's going to produce joy in me. And that kind of joy is infectious. And when we, and right, joy is best when it is shared. And that's when we are doing good works. And what is the point of good works? Obviously, it's not to save ourselves. Jesus Christ is the only one that does that. It's to give glory to God, right? That is our purpose, right? If you have something to do, if you if you're doing something that you're designed to do, it took me a long time to figure out um, to succumb to God's will to say, no, you were meant to be a teacher. That was not a, that was not a plan that I had picked for myself. Um, but to see what God has done uh, when I finally kind of let my, my pride go and say, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure about this, but I'll go with it, right? Uh, and, and seeing that happen and being able to say, this is all God. God to God be the glory for everything. Um, but again, we are receiving the joy. So when you are, so again, in this next coming week, um, when the difficulty, comes, difficulty or trial that comes, not, not if, but when it happens, I hope that we are grounded in truth and we know our faith is in 
a faithful God. And that is where our hope is, not in our strength, but in God's strength. And in the strength of, of the community, of the church, or of the body of Christ, we are not meant to, if you're a finger, you're not meant to operate on your own. You need to be part of a church body. That's why we meet faithfully together and connect together. And be able to rejoice and knowing that, yes, in spite of this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. God has a plan for me. Uh, sometimes we don't see it, and maybe we won't see it for a long time. But again, God is constantly trying to widen that keyhole where we look at such a narrow focus. He's constantly widening that. That's, that's what I've noticed as I get older is that it starts to open up just slightly, slightly more um, that I see, have a little bit bigger perspective. But glorifying God, when we're fulfilling our purpose, uh, obviously God is glorified. That is the main thing. But it also is what gives us joy. Let me pray. Holy God, we thank you for the truth of your word in Scripture. And we thank you that Jesus Christ was a perfect example of what that looked like. And when we see it, we see that we fall woefully short. And sometimes we suffer unjustly, and sometimes we suffer justly. But we also have faith that you are almighty and you are sovereign and you work all things for our good. So we thank you for that and we thank you for the opportunity to do good works that you have prepared in advance for us to do using the giftedness that you have equipped us with through the working of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.